Well, good morning, Grace people. Good to be with you. Good to be with you who are watching online this morning. God's grace and peace be with you today. Well, Jesus makes us family. And if you've been around CGLC for any amount of time, you've probably heard that phrase a few different times, maybe a few dozen times, Jesus makes us family. It's one of our core values here at CGLC. But we didn't just come up with that core value out of thin air. It comes to us from God's word and from his story. And that's what we have been talking about and working our way through over the course of this fall that's going to lead us all the way through the year. On our Route 66 journey, a journey through the big story of what God is up to, God's story that we are a part of. And a key to this story is that Jesus makes us family. And what an interesting family it is. We started this journey in Genesis We've been taking a look at the stories happening in Genesis, and if you watch and listen and take in these stories, you realize that family is complicated. Family is messy. Sometimes family is disturbing and, and broken and all those kinds of things. You know, there's a, a popular TV show that just concluded a few months back called This Is Us. Some of you may have seen that story and followed along with that show, but something that was so amazing about that show, that was unique to that show, is that it wasn't just one story, it was actually two stories happening in parallel with one another. The main story that you're introduced to is the story of three children, one of which is adopted, or four actually, I think four children, three children, I'm forgetting the number, three, yeah, that's right, it's three, um, and their story and, and how they interact with one another. But then on the turn of a dime, they'll switch back 30 years earlier to the story of their parents. And then we follow along with that story, and we only get little bits and pieces of both stories. But you start to see the common themes, the things that have happened that are impacting lives a generation later. I loved that story because it wasn't neat, it wasn't clean, it wasn't all efficient and beautiful. This, this wasn't Father Knows Best, okay? This wasn't the Dick Van Dyke show, this wasn't Leave It to Beaver. This was, this was modern family, this was all in the family, this was, this is us. And I hope that when we look into these stories in Genesis, as we've been following along these past few weeks, we can look to that and go, hey, you know what? This is us. This is our family. This is really what it looks like. It gets messy. It gets complicated. But throughout all of it, God shows up. And God is at work unfolding his story into our story. That's my hope. And that's why we're continuing our journey today in Jesus Makes Us Family. We spent those first three Sundays in Genesis, and now we're skipping forward to the next book, to the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, we're going to be introduced to one of the main characters, I would say, of the whole biblical story. He shows up again and again in the narrative, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and his name is Moses. So let's open up to Exodus together today. If you brought your Bibles with you, wonderful. You can open up to Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament, the second book of the Pentateuch. <clears throat> and we're going to begin reading in chapter 3, jumping right in to the middle of this story about Moses in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Please follow along as I read. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever the name you shall call me from generation to generation. We'll pause there. So here we are, the story of Moses. Now, we're not right at the very beginning of the story of Moses, but we're in this key moment in the story of Moses. And like most stories, as we make our way through them in the Bible, we discover that the story of Moses really isn't the story of Moses, is it? The story of Moses is God's story. It's the story of God at work. God is the one who hears the cry of his people. He hears the cry of his people, the Israelites, and he cares about them. Why? Because they are his family. They are his family. These are his people. And God will always have a people and he defines these people as his family. I am their God. They are my people. Now, who are these people? Well, we got introduced to them over the course of three weeks from creation 
on through the story of Abraham and Isaac, and then last week into the story of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And something interesting happens once we get to Jacob. Jacob has his name changed to Israel. Jacob has 12 sons. These 12 sons go on to have their families. Each of those families become a tribe, and each of those tribes grows. And through a series of events, these Israelites all wind up in Egypt. At first, as a refuge. At first, as a place for them to go to to escape famine and, and, and to receive what was bountiful in that land through the blessing of one of Jacob's sons, Joseph. But now here we are some 400 years later and the situation has changed. These 12 sons who had 12 families that were 12 tribes have now grown into a huge nation. Hundreds of thousands, if not over a million people who are this nation of Israel, a people in a place. And they are growing and prospering at a rate that is astonishing to the locals there. And as they start to see what's happening, they begin to believe that these locals could become a threat to them. And so they begin to oppress them and move them into slavery. And they no longer have any kind of a favored status in the land. Instead, they are the ones who are being oppressed, being put into servitude and into slavery. And over 400 years, they cry out. They cry out to God, to their God, to the God of their fathers, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then along comes Moses. And God speaks to Moses because he has a plan for him and a mission that God is on. God is on a mission to rescue. God says, I have come because I have heard my people's cry. And not only do I care about them, but now I'm going to care for them. I am going to rescue them. I'm coming to the rescue Moses, to rescue my people, and I have a job for you to do as a part of it. And Moses doesn't initially accept the invitation. It's interesting because God introduces himself to Moses by first saying, I am the God of your father, singular. I'm the God of your father. And that's an interesting introduction because you see, we know at least a little bit from the story that Moses hardly knew his father if he knew his father at all. It says at the beginning of chapter 2 that a Levite man married a Levite woman and they had Moses. That's the last we hear about the Levite man. The last that's ever mentioned of Moses' father. In the story of Moses, in, in, in the danger of the time when he was born, he has, he has set sail, he has set afloat in the river and is rescued by a daughter of the Pharaoh. And this daughter of the Pharaoh winds up having Moses' mother continue to nurse him and care for him, but probably in secret so that no one would know. So it's likely that while Moses was cared for by his mother, he may not have really known that this was his mother. So his father and his mother are kind of distant and unfamiliar to him. He's adopted, adopted by the daughter of the Pharaoh, brought into this community. And God says, I am the God of your father. And that wouldn't have meant that much to Moses. 
But he goes on to say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Multiple generations. All these generations that came before. Moses, I am their God, and now I want to be your God too. And I have something for you to do as a part of my family. A mission for you. Something for you to do. And Moses again says, who should I say is sending me if they ask? What's your name? Why would he want to know God's name? Because Moses was raised in Egypt where there were all kinds of gods that had all kinds of names. Ra, the sun god. Go down the list of numerous gods that were there in Egypt along with Pharaoh himself who would have been considered a god on earth as many earthly kings were this king of Egypt. So it's a fair question. Which God should I say is coming to rescue them? And God's response, I am who I am. Another translation would say, I will be who I will be. Tell them, I am has sent you. And remind them that it is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. God cares about his family. God cares for his family. God is going to rescue his family. God is going to be with his family. And he is the God who declares himself, I am. And later on in the story, we hear Jesus express the same thing. In the Gospel of John, 8.58, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. As a matter of fact, seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses this language, relating himself directly to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Same God, same family, same mission to rescue his people, same desire to be with his people, same response to the cries of his people. God cares about his family. God cares for his family. God desires to rescue his family and promises to be with them from generation to generation. I hear a common theme when I talk with parents these days about their children. They're worried. They worry about their children. They worry about their children's future. They worry about their well-being and, and their health and, and their provision, all those kinds of things. Very natural things for parents to be concerned about, of course. But also... They pray and are concerned about their kids' faith. And many times that comes from a place in themselves of their own inadequacy or their own fear or their own shame or their own guilt. Because parents, whether they are parents of young children or parents of grown children or parents of parents of children, share this same sense of it's up to me to be the perfect example for my kids. It's up to me to protect my children. It's up to me to rescue them. It's up to me 
to make sure that they know about this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And friends, while there is a burden that we share there, sometimes we get in the way of God being God. The one who says, I am who I am. And as we read this story of Moses, it is my hope that what you hear in this story is that this God who was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is now introducing himself to Moses to say, I now want to be your God too, Moses. And the challenge for us is can we trust, can we trust this God to be the God of our children and our grandchildren as well? How do we entrust our children to God? Where is our responsibility and where does it end? <laughs> and what does it mean to be an example of faith to our children? It's important that we understand these distinctions because if you go down the road of worry and fear and guilt and then control and manipulation and all the kinds of things that sometimes come out of that over our children and our grandchildren, before you know it, you're the one who is trying to be God. And here's the thing, you can't rescue your kids because you can't rescue yourself. You can't save your kids because you can't save yourself. What we do is in faith, we hand our children over and put them in the hands of the good, good father, of the one who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we trust that if this God who has revealed himself in Jesus has come and saved me, then I trust that, Lord, you will save my children too, and their salvation is your business, not mine. And when we can have that kind of faith in God, it puts our focus in the right place. Because if your children think that you're going to save them or that you're trying to save them, it doesn't often work out well, does it? When you ride into the rescue in every circumstance and situation or where you try to coerce or control or manipulate or direct out of your own guilt, it never ends well for you or for your children. Instead, we trust. We trust, and we trust that God will reveal himself on his timeline, not on ours. In Exodus chapter 2, we get an introduction to this Moses as a young man, as a privileged son, adopted son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And he's a rambunctious youth. And he sees what's happening and in his own eyes sees injustice and he takes matters into his own hands, takes the law into his own hands, as a matter of fact, and kills an Egyptian for the way that that Egyptian was treating one of his kinsmen and from that place has to escape out into the wilderness. How long is he there? Well, in the book of Acts, we hear a story of Stephen who describes that Moses was in the wilderness as a shepherd now for 40 years, 40 years from being a young man to now being found by God in the wilderness. How many of you have been praying for your children for years? 
and decades. And as time goes on, you start to wonder if there's a God who listens. Listen, there's a God who does. There's a God who cares more about you and about his family and about your family and about your children than you do. And it is his desire in his time and in his way to introduce himself to your children and to your grandchildren in his time. And when we trust in his promises, it changes the way we see God and our children. Now, I know something about you because I know something about myself. That when it comes to thinking about our children and how they have seen us try to follow Jesus, that you have probably had cross your mind, you know what, I wish I had been a better example. I wish I hadn't said that thing. I wish I had done more of that. I wish I had prayed with them more. I wish I would have opened up the scriptures more. I wish I would have done more of those things. And those thoughts keep coming back into your head again and again. Oh, I just wish that I could do it over again. I just wish that I could do better. Oh, God, I would do better. Oh, Lord, I pray right now that, that whatever it is that I did, that, Lord, that you could fix it, that you just, just do it. Just, just, and you can't escape those thoughts ringing in your head. Hey, listen, some of those thoughts are legit. Because here's the thing, you weren't a perfect parent. You weren't a perfect example. You didn't do it all right. Neither did I. What of it? God is either a God of grace and the God who comes to forgive you as well, or he's not. And if we can't trust in the grace of God to forgive us of our sins, how can we possibly entrust our children into him? So we start with us. And we let our relationship with God be shaped by his grace and his forgiveness. And if there's an example that we show to our children, it's an example of grace and forgiveness, starting with our own and starting with asking it from them. And from there... We let our prayers be prayers to God of God in your time and in your way. Reveal yourself to my child so that you can be God of blank, fill in the, fill in the blank with their name. Because the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob became the God of Moses and now he is the God of Victoria and he is the God of Jeff. And he is the God of Dan. And he's the God of fill in your name. And from that place of knowing that he is your God, you can now pray, God, may he be, may you be the God of Jared and the God of Ethan and the God of Kaylee, my children's names. Reveal yourself to them so that they would come to know you as I have, as the good, good father. This is how we entrust ourselves and our children to the God of every generation. From generation to generation, this is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Let's call on his name. Let's put ourselves trusting in him that he is the God of our name and that also then he will be the God 
of our children. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, as we come before you right now, we recognize, Lord, that we can't save ourselves. We certainly can't save anybody else, including our children. But it is out of our deep, deep love for them, Lord, that we desire for them to know you just as we desire to know you ourselves. And we thank you, Lord, that the story of your family is a story of you rescuing your people from generation to generation and that each generation has a fresh opportunity to be known by you as you reveal yourself to them and as you call them by name. So, Lord, as you called Moses by name, Lord, I ask that you would speak into the ears of people here today that they would hear your name that they would hear their name spoken in your voice. And Lord, then we entrust our children and our grandchildren into your care by asking that you would reveal yourself and your name to them in their generation. And we trust in your promises, Lord, that you will be the one who rescues that you will be the one who saves because no one else can. Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross for each and every one of us, for rescuing and saving us and calling us your own. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen.